Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right. Welcome back to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I am John. I am here with my friend and co-host, Jalen. Jalen, it is good to see you. Uh, I heard that it was a frosty day in Chicago today, so hopefully you're doing well, but how have you been? Yes, you're right. So it's the last day of October and it was snowing pretty hard, actually. (laughs) And, you know, the last day of October, typically, you know, Halloween, trick-or-treating, that did not happen in our household because for one thing, our kids, several of them have cavities, like a lot of cavities. So we just said, you know what, we're not going to be eating candy for a while. And so when they heard that, there was no reason for them to go out in the cold and get candy or, you know, go trick-or-treating. And so we just stayed in and we handed out candy and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was cold. And, and um, I'm going to say, so I know we don't talk about sports a lot, although you and I are huge Chicago sports fans. So um I don't know. I, I, I think I just need some time to vent a little bit about our, <laughs> our, you know, our teams right now, especially like the bears and the bulls. Um, hmm. Just the, just the sad situation and feeling down, John. Yes. I'm not very happy about what's happening with our teams. I'm pretty upset. Um, I used to, and I, I mean, I still do like record every bears game, every bulls game, obviously the bears play on Sunday. And so it's hard to watch, the bears live and so i'll record every game and then you know after after worship service and meetings and stuff like that you know like four o'clock in the afternoon i'll finally turn on the bears game and kind of fly through it and just be disappointed for the rest of the evening right and then same with the bulls like you know obviously like throughout the day it's just really hard to watch the bulls live and so you know at like nine or ten o'clock at night then i'll just start watching the bulls game and you know, so I'm ending my days pretty much just in a bad mood, like almost every day, like the last few last few weeks here. Um, oh. But anyways, this is good. This is a good break. I'm there's no Bulls game tonight, but uh, mm-hmm. I get to hang out with you and with our guests. So uh, so that's good. How are you doing? Yeah. Hey, you know, on that sport note, like I, I get it. I, I think for me, at least you have other Chicago sports fans to kind of grieve with. But I, I'm out here in Warriors 49ers country Uh, and uh it's painful sometimes because those teams are both pretty good i think the only thing i've realized is that misery does love company because i as of today that the niners have been on a three-game losing streak and so i don't i'm not celebrating their losing but i'm like hey you know welcome welcome to my pain of yeah that's right being a bears fan so but yeah outside of the sports thing though i think um i'm doing pretty well this weekend was uh really busy for for me on a ministry level, um, ended up for the first time actually preaching um, twice on the same Sunday, but it, which I've preached a double before, actually regularly at our church, I'll preach in the morning at our main campus. And then like if I'm scheduled that day, and then I'll also preach at our church plant, right. uh, but I'll usually use the same sermon for both and just make some adjustments because the audience is a little different. But this in week, this week in particular, because my message um, in the morning was really focused on some ministries that um, and used a, our, our young adult ministry, which primarily serves our main campus. I just felt like the the church plant might not connect as well with some of the stories and illustrations. So I actually ended up using a different sermon that I had mm-hmm. previously preached, but had not had a chance to use up there. Um, and so it, I, I didn't realize this because in my mind, I was like, well, I've already prepared the second sermon. Um, but, you know, the, the day of, as I was getting my mind uh, ready to kind of go through the, the preaching, I realized, oh man, I cannot pre- prepare for both of these at once. I really have to do them one at a time because I yeah. feel like I got fully into that first one, like just to internalize it and have that be just on my mind in service. And I really couldn't touch the second one until that first service ended. Mm. And so I think I learned a pretty valuable lesson uh, which is there's maybe a reason why we don't do different sermons on the same day, at least not that often. Right. Um, I mean, like in a retreat, yes, but like I guess on a given Sunday, that, that was my first time. So, 
Um, but yeah, I think they both went well. Second sermon in particular, uh, the, the first time I preached it, actually, it was one of those weeks where I felt like, look, I know God is the one that's speaking, but I still have a role to play in, in stewarding the mm. preaching the pulpit well. And I felt like I had not done my best work that morning. And so this was a chance to kind of revisit it and, um, you know, and kind of get another shot at, at delivering this message well and a redemption and, sermon. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's not about me and, or my delivery, but um, I think it was good because I felt like, okay, the second time I can really learn from mistakes that were made the previous time or, or adjust things that I felt like, you know, I don't know why I said that that first, you know, a month ago or whatever. Um, so both of those went, went pretty well. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been good. Um, another quick update, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, is our young adult ministry, which has been growing, is moving into a new space this Friday. And so that nice. was part of what I was sharing on in the morning service. Um, and I feel like we really, we had a chance to invite the entire church into what God is doing in our young adult ministry. And I shared a few stories and examples from what God is, you know, what's been taking place in our midst. And, and so I think people were encouraged by that and uh, really praying for us, which is something that we, we love and need. So we're excited. We go into that new space on Friday. So yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it future episodes, I'm sure. But yeah, that's so exciting. I think that anytime that we hear of immigrant churches and particularly like our Chinese heritage churches having a thriving and growing young adult ministry, it's super exciting, right? Because I think for so long we've, we've just lacked that. And to, to see that and to hear about that, I'm, I'm, Hey, I'm, I'm like celebrating with you guys. I'm cheering you guys on. That's really awesome. So mm. that's cool. I'm, I'm excited to hear more about what, what that looks like in the, in the coming weeks and months. So, yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to uh, introduce our guest for uh, this podcast. Our guest is Gaylord Sway. He is the English and caring pastor at Austin Chinese Church. Uh, John, you and I met Gaylord uh, earlier this year, and it was exciting to get to know him, to meet him. We had heard about him in uh, in our previous ministry stop, and uh, I think you know getting to meet him was was really great. I I think one thing that stood out to me as I talked with him and got a chance to know him uh was that this 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 role of caring pastor really suits him like just even the brief moments that we were talking i just felt like gaylord is a pastor who is a pastor like he loves people and i just felt like there was there's just a warmth about gaylord and so um gaylord thanks for joining us we really appreciate you jumping on this podcast with us oh it's uh, truly my privilege and uh it was a joy to meet both of you um uh, it's nice to meet famous people. So, <laughs> oh, you're definitely seeing that tongue in cheek. And for any listeners that think he's speaking facts, definitely that is tongue in cheek. But uh, Gaylord, we're glad that you're on the podcast with us tonight, and we love to ask this for our first time guests. Um, could you just share briefly your ministry journey, kind of where God has brought you from, and maybe how He led you into ministry and um, and if you want to share more about this role, this role that you're in, that you've transitioned into, we'd love to hear more about that. Because I think the idea of a caring pastor, as Jalen said, though it suits you very well, is not one that we see super often in the Chinese Heritage Church. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's been quite a journey, but I think um, just as far as background, um, so my parents are uh, Chinese that uh, came to the U.S. after um, college to come here for grad school. And so I was uh, born in, in upstate New York in Syracuse. Uh, but even though my parents um, were very, very young Christians, but I um, was exposed to Jesus at a very young age and always in church as far as I could remember. Even though interesting, all the way through college, uh, I actually never went to a Chinese heritage church, uh, just partially because where we lived didn't really have churches and stuff, uh, Chinese churches. So um, but at this uh, um, youth retreat, but their youth, uh, I guess, stretched down to nine-year-olds because I was nine. Uh, I was at this church retreat, and the last night they had a invitation about do we want to dedicate our life to the Lord. So as a nine-year-old, I, I went forward. I figured it wasn't a risk because basically I was saying, uh, yeah, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, um, okay. 
And so I think there's a beauty to childlike faith. I think the beauty was when I went home and told my parents, they actually were excited. And uh, in my mind, I didn't know I'd be a pastor missionary. I thought just whatever, right? I could, I could be a fireman, you know, I could do whatever, but um, it just was whatever God wanted me to do. So I'm thankful for supportive parents. And uh, actually during high school, um, I thought that God, uh, I, I felt like God was leading me to go into medical missions. So even as a high school student, um, that was my motivation in studying. And I was at a really small school, but um, anyway, somehow got through it. But during college, uh, which is a whole other story, it, God made it really clear he wanted me to drop the medical part. <clears throat> I have two words, organic chemistry. But anyway, <laughs> um, as I went through it, uh, God made it clear to drop that part. So um, again, uh, I thank God my parents were very supportive. They knew me that I wasn't just messing around. And uh, I figured, okay, I guess I'd be a missionary. Um, and probably somewhere where there's some Chinese, so either China, Taiwan, somewhere over there. But God used uh, several circumstances and events to gradually show me that the mission field, you know, I was I was actually at a, uh, a Christian liberal arts school that had missions, so I switched to missions. I actually had to use it because the mission field is the second and third generation of American-born, Chinese-Americans uh, specifically. And that's why I, I, I feel called to be in a Chinese heritage church and wouldn't want to do anything else. And so... Um, I didn't realize what it would be at the time. And uh, while I was still in college, um, the, the pastor at Twin City Chinese Church in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, knew my parents or something like that. Anyway, I got invited to spend uh, uh, the winter break to visit them. And then my parents said, yes. I was like, okay. And then I spent a summer. Uh, they did it. Uh, they came up with an internship, a paid internship. So I said, okay. Uh, but during that time, I realized um, that's when I started realizing that this uh, second generation um, is a mission field. Um, There's sometimes in no man's land. Uh, they are doing well in many ways. In other ways, not a, not doing well at all. And so uh, God allowed me to go there as their first youth director um, after our college. And then I, I served there for nine years. And went to seminary part-time during that time also in, in town. And um, by the time I left, they had um, uh, given me the title of English pastor. And um, we, we left there not because of, of bad feelings or anything. Uh, it has to do with uh, a health situation in our family. So uh, it was really clear we were supposed to leave. And God used uh, Pastor Dan Lowe, who was here at Austin Chinese Church at the time, um, to uh, reach out to me. He was going to leave to go to another church in California. And uh, it was, you know, again, good reasons for going and stuff. So to be honest, I didn't even know where Austin, Texas was. I knew Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio, but um, I didn't know exactly where Austin was. So that was, it was like a two-year gap in between the time he contacted me and the time we actually came here. Um, and I'm thankful that, you know, on the one hand, you don't want to leave dear friends and things like that. But uh, God provided, uh, I think, someone that you've had on this podcast before, Mike Jin, to uh, to take my spot and take it way further. So I'm very thankful. So he's still serving there. And I've been here now a little over 25 years. And um, it's been great. And it's been a pleasure. Um, there's been a lot of, uh, I don't want to say horror stories, especially on Halloween, but uh it's uh, challenging stories and sometimes heartbreaking stories. And I've only worked at two churches and I feel like God has given me huge blessings in being at these two churches. So uh, again, the, my role was English pastor uh, until about, um, I guess 2019 or so, uh, 2020, uh, there was a transition. Being a, an English pastor and now kind of transitioning to this caring pastor role, it's, it's, it's unique. It's different. And I'm, I'm sure you have a huge story to tell about that. So I, you know, yeah, we'd love to hear that. Yeah. So, um, one of the benefits of, um, uh, um, that I, I have here is every six years, the church gives us a three month sabbatical. So, uh, I was on my third sabbatical in 2017. And, uh, but before that, 
I was starting to feel like, you know, there's some angst, there's some, uh, I don't want to say discouragement, but I just definitely felt like spinning wheels. And just like, I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I was talking to um, our English associate pastor, uh, Pastor Art, just sharing with him, uh, friend to friend, you know, the fact that we worked together was uh, icing on the cake, but just sharing with him and just like, I don't know, man. And uh, so I went into the sabbatical in the middle of 2017 with the intention to really seek the Lord's face. And so I got some leadership training, uh, coaching, I mean, and uh, so during that time, I was able to find out more about, you know, what were my strengths, uh, what my weaknesses were, and more importantly, some of my tendencies and like how I'm wired. Um, I know there's all these personality things, but um, just really um, using this leadership coaching time to put words to maybe some of the things that I was struggling with. And uh, it wasn't a lack of effort. I know I tried, but, um, you know, I can try dunking a basketball and I won't be dunking anytime soon. So I um, use that time to even uh, uh, go to a, a sister church, uh, West Houston Chinese Church. Uh, uh, actually, there's there's several great churches here in Texas and Houston, Dallas, San Antonio. And I uh, knew a couple of staff there. And during I took a I actually went overnight. I stayed overnight, but I set up an appointment with two of the pastors there, uh, Pastor David Shu, And then um, at that time, the, uh, uh, the, ch the children's pastor, uh, or pastor of family ministries was uh, Pastor Estella Lynn. And these two uh, godly people just heard me out, um, asked me some questions. Um, I probably knew Pastor David better, but still um, they were great at, at sounding boards and they sort of observed some things I said. So after meeting with Pastor David and Pastor Stella um, and having them point out some, uh, you know, ask some good questions, give some advice, uh, it, it ended up being very, very helpful. Uh, I went away from there with a little bit more clarity. And then also spending time uh, with Tina, my wife, Tina, to, to pray about it. She had a front row seat of seeing, you know, the angst and the, um, you know, just some of the things that I was frustrated about. So. Um, with the coaching, I was able to put words again to some of the things that was going on in my heart. And so, um, he, he allowed me, God allowed me to see that, uh, there are some things that I really stunk at doing. Um, I just didn't do them well. Uh, however, uh, when we were a little bit smaller congregation, I could probably wing it. Um, but as, um, we were slowly growing, um, it was becoming more painful. Like you have, we would have leadership team meetings and uh, specifically uh, vision and strategy um, are not, I, I'm great to be on a team that talks about it. I'm not great at leading the team. And so I would try to prepare and uh, we'd go through the meeting and I just felt like, wow, I think I just wasted a bunch of people's time. Uh, but they never said anything. Uh, They're very gracious about it. But when I, also realized that I was spending so much time doing that, that I wasn't really doing uh, caring or shepherding, which I do more naturally. So I was spending time doing ministry in areas in which I was terrible and less time doing in what I was created to do. And so everybody loses. So um, I took this, I had to accept that there was gifts, but also shortcomings. And it was a little bit scary, but, um, I had to give those fears to the Lord. And I, uh, so two years after the sabbatical, because, uh, you know, I just got back and got busy again. So about a year and a half later, I guess, uh, I talked to, I asked our elders, or specifically personnel committee, if I could talk to them. I didn't give them a whole lot more than that, but they very graciously called the meeting. And uh, so I went and I even prepared a PowerPoint and all that. But I just said, hey, uh, this is, uh, this is what's been on my heart. Uh, this is some of the things I learned. Uh, there's some charts that actually illustrate how I'm wired. And uh, this is some of the things you need me to do. And as you'll see from this chart, I don't, I don't really, I don't bring that to the table. And so it was humbling, a little bit painful, but a little humbling that they affirmed the things I did well. And they also affirmed the things that I really stunk at. 
was like thinking, why didn't you tell me earlier? But, you know, they just, uh, they were very kind, very kind. So at the end of that conversation, I basically, my last slide was, and I'm basically asking, would you all be willing to let me step down from being the English lead pastor? Uh, we don't have a senior pastor, so we have Major Candy's English, and there's a lead pastor in each of the congregations, and we just work very closely together. But I said, and I'd also like to ask if you all would consider if our associate pastor, Pastor Art, uh, would could be considered to be the lead. So uh, behind the scenes, I had already given Art a heads up that, hey, uh, this is what's going to happen at the elder meeting. So uh, they basically, looking back, they probably could have just said, yeah, we're sorry things haven't worked out. You know, here's a severance package, hopefully, or something like that. Uh, but instead, uh, again, most of our, all of our elders actually uh, are in our Mandarin Cantonese. Uh, Art and I were the English elders that, are, you know, provide an English perspective. But all of them, they looked at me and they said, Gaylord, why don't you write up a job description and we'll figure out what to call you, which is crazy, unheard of, and probably very bad business practice. Hmm. But... Um, they just graciously asked me to do that. And so uh, basically um, we took this with their permission and blessing and shared it with our top two English leadership levels. And their response was uh, uh, very affirming. And so then we went ahead and shared it with the, the rest of the deacons in the, in the church. So it was a long process. It took a lot of time, but um the official title that starting in January 2021, so it's been a little over two and a half years now, uh, I've been called the English and Caring Pastor with the understanding that this is called, this is a transition. I, like I couldn't just all of a sudden leave English ministry. Pastor Art would need time to ramp up to be the lead pastor for English. So I said, okay, but it was supposed to be like 70, 30. And then we also didn't know what Caring Pastor meant because all the pastors hopefully care somewhat. Um, one of our pastors very graciously said, yeah, uh, they call me PG, Pastor Gaylord. He's an APG. Actually, you care probably the same amount as all of us put together, which was very nice of them. But that also is another way to say I don't do other things very well. So um, I was thankful. And so this transition has ended up not so much going like slowly transitioning. I still ended up doing a lot of English. So we now end up having... Uh, Hopefully in the near future, uh, we're moving to where I can just be called the caring pastor. Uh, I've worked on a job description along with the elders. And so uh, we're just going through a few more hoops, as most Chinese churches have, uh, to just make sure communication is done well. So, long answer, but um, it's very vivid. And I'm still very, very grateful. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's so much in there that just for me, you know, communicates health, you know, that there is, there's a healthy, just on your end, just the willingness to say, Hey, the Lord is showing me some things, you know, on the sabbatical that, um, uh, you know, I may have some shortcomings and the willingness for you to say, you know, I, I may need to shift a little bit in the way that I do things. Um, and then for your church and for your elders and fellow pastors to come alongside you and, and, work with you to transitioning into this new role. I'm interested in hearing more about what is a caring pastor, right? As you said, like, we don't know mm -hmm. what a caring pastor is because everybody should be caring. All the pastors should be caring already. But specifically for your role, how do you see a caring pastor being of particular benefit to the Chinese heritage church? And, you know, you know, more specifically to like second and second gen and third gen um, Chinese Americans. Um. So one of the things about this role is that it needs to not appear like we're just squeezing out another English pastor role and just renaming it. Uh, as you all know, in Chinese heritage churches, there is this dance that we need to do where we try to care for all congregations. Um, and it shouldn't have to do with numbers per se or even um, finances per se, right? It should be as a church. Uh, one church that has three congregations. Uh, we actually have a fourth because we have a, a multi-site. So uh, when it comes to needs, 
um, this position, position needed to have some church-wide implications. So one of the things I do, and this one has nothing to do with anybody here, but I get to care for our missionaries. Um, we had we support you know x number of missionaries, um, forty to fifty people, and so um, some are family units. And uh, we found that you know it's we try to be very faithful in sending the support. Uh, they try most of them <laughs> try to faithfully send us a letter, but there's more than that. And um, maybe just having been a missions major and stuff, I just uh, felt like there's there's more. And um, when you ask a missionary over a quick weekend, say, um, hey, how's your family? Well, I'm going to see them for about 10 minutes or 15 minutes. So they're going to say, we're doing fine. Thank you. Right. But if you spend more time with them and now we can use Zoom and I could talk to missionaries all over the world um, and I just say, hey, how, how's your marriage? How can I pray for you? get to know the kids um there's been a few times where within that one hour uh, tears are being shed uh by by those on the on the call because it's it's uh it's a tough road so that's one of the things is missions caring uh, missionary caring the other thing i asked i said i sort of do this unofficially but would i be able to help care for our staff uh as much as our precious lay people desire to uh, care for us, um, unless you are a pastor, it is a little bit presumptuous to say we know what a pastor needs. On the other hand, to have pastors share exactly what they need in a safe way or to save people um, is not always there. So I'm on staff, and so I'm able to um, so we have, um, as far as paid staff, we have uh, 14. So some are full-time, some are part-time. And like uh, we have a prayer meeting once a week uh, together. Uh, and it is uh, a very precious time. So that caring for staff. And then um, what's going to happen is um, things like uh, really exploring what uh, counseling ministry of a local church can look like, uh, specifically in an Asian church. So now I'm getting to what you're asking about the second gen. Uh, as you have observed, I'm sure in your ministries, um, we've always needed counseling uh, Asian, um, but there is a stigma to it, or at least a um, barriers that perceived barriers. And then in a church, um, sometimes people feel like, oh, people talk about it and stuff like that. And then there's also the whole um, being able to be transparent and then know what to do with um, what people are sharing. Uh, the, in addition to prayer, prayer is very powerful, but can we do better? And then with mental illness, uh, depression, suicidal thoughts, uh, families that are at crossroads, um, generations in the same household that are angry, and uh, conflict resolution that is not stellar. Um, Perhaps within the safety of a church, with perhaps pastor, a pastor and and staff, and maybe lay people who are trained, uh, can we at least offer a certain level of counseling? So, in transitioning to this caring role, a lot of it will be doing a lot of homework and research, like talking to um, non-Asian churches, uh, a lot of white churches here in this area that uh, have. I think they have some counseling ministries. There's just a lot that goes into that. And then also trying to find if there's some, that maybe you could help me to find out where, where some churches are that are uh, either Chinese heritage churches, uh, I don't know, maybe our Korean brothers and sisters, maybe just to find out, is there something, we don't have to recreate the world wheel, but we can learn. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, uh, having been here this number of years, uh, I have a, at least a sense of who the people are here. So what can we do here to have some kind of a counseling ministry that's more than uh, two or three people making a visit and praying? Can we do more? Hmm. So I think there is a need. And families are at a crossroads. We have a lot of people who have deconstructed their faith and certain generations that are uh, 
have left the church. And interestingly enough, we have had a bunch of people come that we did not know before COVID. And they're looking, they're coming in cautiously. And, um, hopefully they're sensing and care and a love. So um, that's what I do best, as long as we don't have to do vision and strategy per se. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, I love hearing about just this, um, this move in your church to really care for your pastors um, and leaders and also uh, just those who are in need of help. And, and I, I wholeheartedly agree that there is a place for um, spiritual care, but I think it needs to go hand in hand with, you know, like if someone's sick, that they are getting physical care from, um, from doctors or uh, mental health care. And I, I just feel like it needs to be holistic. Um, if, if, uh, one thing I, I didn't mention, uh, another aspect we're exploring is if I can help more with senior citizen care, mm-hmm. because um, we're starting to get a few into English, but I can speak, I, I can't read or write Chinese, but I can speak some Mandarin, and in it, not to take the place of the Mandarin pastors, but to support them, or, uh, you know, just a visitation, um, you know, sometimes uh, they have people who are in long-term care, yeah. um, it, to have that freedom and um, so I actually recently went to visit one of our senior fellowship groups and it was heartwarming because I didn't know a vast majority, just a few of the workers. And then someone said, Oh, Moose is here, you know, pastor's here. And I'm like, Oh, and they're, they're all using Mandarin, right? So I think I used all of my Mandarin in that little bit of time, but it was just, it was, it was very warm, a warm time, uh, uh, heartfelt. And I said, Lord, is this a confirmation that, this demographic, if you will, um, because you don't have to speak a language to care. Mm-hmm. You can care many different ways. And so um, to your point, um, is there a way to help our Chinese speaking to feel comfortable enough to share about their their their, their um, burdens, but also for our elderly to, to feel loved and not forgotten also? Mm. Because yeah. I... I can sense that as we have more people living longer and we also have people who are caregiving that are just exhausted, perhaps the caring pastor can not take over and do everything, but just build teams to help. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I love it just hearing about your heart for, um, for this ministry. I, I think one of the things that I was curious about Gaylord, as you were sharing is, just how um well i imagine that it it took a lot of trust for both for your fellow pastors and elders to walk with you through this transition um because it was a new role not something that you had done your church had done before and you said earlier like they basically trusted you to to kind of write the job description for it um, but then I also think that on the other end of it, now that you're in the role, it requires an incredible amount of trust to, yes. um, you know, because you're you're caring for people that you serve alongside. I, I imagine at some point, some of these folks that you're caring for and wanting to go deeper with, you were maybe their supervisor at one point. You may still be yeah. kind of supervisor or at least connected to it or seen as someone they really respect on the staff. And so that requires a lot of trust as well, not just for the staff, but I think for the whole church. And so I have to imagine that that is part of, you know, having been at the church for 20 plus years that you've cultivated that over these long seasons of ministry. But I was wondering if there, are there any like best practices or just things in general that you can think of that helped you cultivate these, you know, healthy, um, safe relationships with people so that now as you shift your ministry to this new role, you can kind of build off of that, you know, like what have you done or what have you seen work well in developing those kinds of relationships? Uh, for sure. The, uh, there was enough uh, in the bank that I could actually withdraw. Right. So I, um, along the way had to uh, not had to, I wanted to, uh, um, grow in our relationship and you know um, I, I really am quite 
the extrovert, like I can talk to a brick wall and have a great conversation. Uh, but I realized that um, sometimes our Mandarin candies are not as used to that uh, on staff. So what happens is, um, and I attribute this to uh, also some of our other office staff, uh, we, for a while there, before COVID, we would always have a birthday cake for the month for whoever on staff was having a birthday during that. Uh, like I mentioned before, every Wednesday, uh, we have a prayer meeting uh, for a little bit over an hour where uh, we rotate uh, and uh, someone will share a short devotion. So this is our ladies, our men, this is our part-time staff, this is our full-time pastors, and we just rotate around. Someone just shares what they did there, read in quiet time or something they learned recently. And then sometimes people might make a couple comments or ask some questions, and then we go to prayer um, and we split up into small groups. That to me is one of the most precious times because what has happened over the years, there has been a vulnerability that people have shared about their own family or uh, and there's just understanding that this is a confidential, a safe place. Uh, so even the people who naturally are not like that are drawn to it when they actually hear someone else share. And it's uh, and a specific situation where one of our English, um, since we're a little bit more open about things, shared about just the struggle that this person had with their dad, his or her dad. And... Uh, as I looked around the room, I could see uh, others were moved um, to tears as I think they were thinking about maybe their own relationship with their dads. And uh, people who usually didn't speak up when, when the, you know, after the devotion um, spoke up that day. So that's one of those things where, you know, as hard as ministry might be, there is that time every week where staff get together and uh, and we, we can pray. And so... Uh, actually, what we also do is because there's limited time, everybody writes down a prayer request or two at the beginning, and we just put it on a scrap piece of paper. And then at the end, you know, it really takes one. And so you just have one person and a, some prayer requests, uh, even if you didn't pray with them that day. I, I went on to detail about that just because I do think that has been uh, very, very important in building trust. And sometimes I'll sense something, so I might go afterwards and talk to someone in their office. So I'm the second oldest on staff now. Um, uh, only our mentor pastor is older than me, and he and I have a very good relationship. And I think another thing is our Chinese staff have been uh, in North America long enough that they can appreciate in, uh, Western thinking without losing their way of thinking. Um, and that's huge. So all of our meetings are in English, um, but um, we sometimes can joke around in Mandarin or Cantonese just for fun. Um, when it comes to the elders and the deacons, when our church, when I first came, the church was smaller. So everybody sort of knew everybody, especially leadership. So during that time, um, if we had, you know, our church council meetings, uh, I would I would ask questions. Um, but I, I think they felt like I was asking it in a respectful way. Whereas it's sad is if someone has questions, but they feel like, oh, I can't ask because nobody will listen anywhere. Nobody will say anything. But I didn't know any better. And so I just asked questions and I felt like they understood that I was really just wondering about it. And I have had conflict with a few people along the way. Whereas later on, I realized I broke my own 24 hour rule about emails. If I get an email that I know gets me stirred up, I have this rule that I can't write anything for 24 hours. And I violated once and it was a fellow pastor. And he wrote back and uh, and explained why he said what he said. And I just felt ashamed. And so I had written in anger. And so uh, I think I, he wrote me back on a Sunday, which is just painful. Uh, Monday we have off. So Tuesday, as soon as I got, we both were at the office. I went to his office and shut the door and said, Pastor so-and-so, would you please forgive me? Hmm. I was wrong. And... Uh, I, uh, I I sinned against you. Will you please forgive me? And he was very gracious and uh, said yes. Um, but then uh, this is our Chinese, one of our Chinese pastors. So, um, and the thing is, things didn't change. What happened? Oh, it did change. Our relationship got stronger. Mm. So 
I think when we build build trust, it requires a, a humble attitude. It does require honesty. It does require timing. Granted, there's some things you know, timing um, is important, but that's where you have to read people. If I know people, it's like, you know, I can tell they're having a bad day or I can tell if uh, they have too many burdens in ministry right now. The last thing they need is, you know, um, you know, for me to go talk to him about this. But this one was one of those where I had heard, I had sinned against him. And he actually very objectively and graciously replied. Hmm. And I, I have told him after that many times, thank you. And I, I cherish him. So our elders, it's a little bit different. I don't see him every day. But with the elders, um, uh, over the years, they have, um, even some of them will call me PG. You know, so uh, I am thankful for them. I think, um, oh, I think one other thing is not to react. There may be sometimes when people will say or do things, and it's easy to say, ah, that's the way Chinese people do. Hmm. Um, what do I mean when I think that? Um, they are Chinese. <laughs> so that's the way they think. Now, why am I irritated? So I, I need to think through, is it because of impatience? Is it because, uh, what is the root cause? Or what is the root? So most of the time, I probably can't know right away. So I can always talk to the person after the meeting and say, hey, can you clarify? In a meeting, it becomes confrontational. But if I take the time, um, so in a Chinese Heritage Church, it takes time to do things. Mm -hmm. And if we get impatient, either side, if Mandarin, Cantonese, or English get impatient, usually that's when uh, um, people will actually withdraw. But if we show patience and grace and respect to each other, um, and does the scripture say by this, well, I know you're my disciples, that you love one another, mm. then I think we need to practice that at the leader's level. Mm. So it's an ongoing, ongoing process. Yeah, I, I think that what you guys have have been building towards, and what it sounds like you are you, you've, you've been experiencing, is a result of time together and trust that you've built. And you know, I, I'm so thankful that you've set for us an example of you know um, being willing to apologize and um, initiate. Uh, asking for forgiveness, you know, with that pastor. And mm -hmm. I think that's something that probably, you know, you know, first gen, second gen, uh, we have a hard time doing, you know, any, any person would have a hard time doing <laughs> that, but especially you, you add in that sort of cultural element, the generational element, it makes it very difficult. And, uh, I'm just very grateful that you shared that with us. I think that's something that I certainly want to take to heart and, um, I can certainly apply immediately in my context. And, um, I think that's something that, that certainly all of us as pastors to have that, um, sense of self-awareness and humility is so, so important. And so, uh, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Do you have other sort of, um, thoughts on, you know, seeking how you've overcome challenges? Because I would imagine, you know, you've been at ACC for 25 years, uh, I'm sure you've encountered many challenges, but what are some things, what are, what are some other things that you've done to, um, to address those challenges? Cause you don't, you don't last at a Chinese church for 25 years without, uh, without going through some bumps and bruises and then coming through with, with some healing and, and hopefully some, some healthy, you know, some healthy rhythms. So, uh, what are some, what are some thoughts that you have there? I do think that ultimately we have to remember that this is God's church. So he's sovereign. He's in control. So uh, not everything that is like either a conflict or controversial or um, advers seems adversarial, um, actually not everything's that important. Uh, I can try to make it important, but I have to understand and the others uh, that we're working together with, we have to we have to right-size things so that whatever is actually important is what we talk about um, or, you know, invest time in. And if it's something that's really not that important, one easy test is 
let it cool off. If it's if it's really important, then hopefully it'll come back up again. But it's I mean sometimes Asians will deny things and then we never talk about it. But I'm talking about when when things really are like you know there's no way we can elevate every single thing like the color of the carpet or what we serve for lunch or um, what the AV system costs. Okay, like maybe maybe the, I don't have to be part of that decision. Like why why do I need to get worked up about it? So I need to know my lane. I need to know my role. Uh, but at the same time, it's not a matter of uh, what do you call it just you know uh, burying my head under the sand kind of thing. Um, and sometimes we don't always know exactly what's the most important things to deal with unless we pray together. Hmm. Um, so uh, to come together and say, "Hey, it's not you know." Obviously, we felt a little heated about that, but hey, let's uh, grab coffee. Um, and let's just, can we just pray together about this? Uh, not as pastor to deacon or pastor to elder or pastor to lay person uh, or pastor to pastor. It's just as brother and sister, as brother and brother. Mm. That is always a win. I mean, we may not come to the same conclusion, but at least we have brought it to a point where it's like, you know, maybe we'll have to agree to disagree, but you know, maybe it wasn't that important. Mm-hmm. So I do think uh, I can't. One of the things I was going to share somewhere along the line is um, I can only work on my side of the equation. Um, I can't change anybody else. I have a hard enough time trying to keep myself in line, right? So I have to. Uh, how do we say it? Your response is your responsibility. Um, I can pray about the other person <laughs> lord change him but actually sometimes the prayer ends up being oh maybe you need to change me mm-hmm. so um i think i can i can only be responsible and i must be responsible for my side mm-hmm. uh i have to allow god or trust that god will work on the other person's heart believing that they are good uh goodwill people who desire to follow jesus and they're not they don't have to always follow me Right. And if we both follow Jesus, then I think he'll bring us to the same side, so to speak. So uh, we can pray for God to change. And ultimately, he, the Holy Spirit's the only one that can change anybody anyway. So I, he, the people in our church cannot be the enemy. We are fighting the enemy. Uh, we may, but, and we're in the same trench. And so I have to remind myself that. And I think if I lower the emotional temperature, and uh, and I'm I can get feisty, and, but I just say you know what, stop, stop. Uh, this is we gotta we gotta take a step back because uh, we love each other in the Lord, and so we we gotta figure this out. But yeah. right now we we probably just need to pray. So sometimes it's an email. I usually don't do this by email. Uh, email is just they can't see my face, uh, they can't hear my tone. So most of the time is let's go get coffee, or with English we'll go get boba. You know so. Yeah, I, I mean, I love it. I think that's just so important of in navigating tension and conflict, which is inevitable, I think. Yes. Um, and yes. it's not necessarily like because of sin, but um, just because sometimes we're wired differently or have different mm-hmm. views on how things should be done um, or even different things where, you know, I think we see different aspects of God's character together and sometimes expressing those there's some friction or tension because we're learning to see through other people's viewpoints so i just i love what you said just now about really the desire to to be face to face and um, work those out and see one another not as adversaries um like that your enemies are not in the church there um there's an enemy on the outside and so we need to really work for unity and and um partnership in a healthy way and yeah that takes time so you know i i think for both jalen and i we've i feel like i can speak for him we have enjoyed just hearing um, from your story and uh gleaning from your wisdom um cultivated over your time at at acc and at um at t4c um and we like to end with end our podcast with this question. So I know you've already shared a ton of advice for pastors that they can glean. So if they're listening, they're already picked up a bunch of stuff, I'm sure. But 
Um, is there any, like maybe one piece of advice unrelated potentially to what we've already talked about um, that you would just want to share with someone who's currently serving in the Chinese Heritage Church? It could just be, this is what the Lord has put on your heart for them or over the, over the years that you would just want to share with them. Uh, yes, and I appreciated that. Um, I had some kind of think about this, uh, having also heard some of your previous podcasts. Uh, I'd like to just uh, crystallize it by saying that God is not finished with you yet. Um, he has things that he wants to do in and through you right now. It's not just oh, someday, it's like right now. He has things he wants to do in in you and change you and grow you and transform you. And also to use you to help to be an instrument in other people's lives. Now, in addition to that, he has other plans. He has other paths, uh, paths for you to to take once you have completed the current task. Uh, but sometimes we get too far ahead, and we only have today. I mean, there's enough worry for today. So how can we be faithful today and realize that oh, God, you know. Um, is this all there is? He goes, the answer is no. <laughs> I, I'm not finished with you yet. And if I could uh, read Philippians 3, verse 12, and I think I shared this at the, the get-together we had in May. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And if we just realize that this is a, this is a process until we see Jesus face to face, um, he's not finished with us. Mm. So what we are going through now and today, he is not caught off guard. Uh, or if I say it stronger, he he intends for us to go through what we're going through now. He just wants us to trust him as we go through. And when we do that, I believe he is glorified. He will protect. You know, we don't. We can't protect ourselves. You know, I mean, what I mean is, at the end of the day, we're, we're not in control. But if we uh, submit to him he will he's called us and he called us he's empowered us uh, he will lead us uh, he loves us and that's a pretty good place to be. Hmm. Hmm. such a good word Gaylord thank you for being our caring pastor on this episode I feel cared for <laughs> I feel encouraged and uh, I feel ready to head back into ministry tomorrow so oh. thank you for joining us thanks for being our guest on this podcast today thank you very much it was Truly my privilege. I hope it's a blessing. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.